Um, you know, a lot of history, of course, with you in the industry. I'm real tight with uh, Tim and Bob, and when I told them that oh, cool. I was interviewing you, they had a million stories to share with me about their time, you know, just working with <laughs> you, getting to know you, and we'll get into all of that, but again, yeah, just great guys. absolutely. Yeah. And then as well, Tony yeah. Dixon, he wanted me to say what's up to you as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that dude. Yeah, that dude's so talented. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, yeah. all of my guys. Absolutely. Go back, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. So I'll be honest, Daryl, as I'm going through your discography, I'm trying to figure out how I want to do this because there's just so much history to touch on. But I guess in, in most recent news is um, Babyface. Obviously, he had his tiny desk. Uh, yeah, he had a great. lot of records that uh, <laughs> yeah. you helped write on there. Like, just what is that feel Absolutely. to know that some of those songs that you were a part of, they still live on to this day and people are living it reliving it just discovering it for the first time and just loving these songs uh you know for me it's great because a lot of these kids weren't born when can we talk came out or superwoman you know baby 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 so as a songwriter that's where i get my joy is to see people loving these songs singing the lyrics that you know kenny and i wrote uh that's that's my joy that's my payoff so uh, it's been great because it's been, especially with Can We Talk, because right. everybody just loves that song. It's like it's just, it got this surge all of a sudden, and they had a Can We Talk challenge, and, you know, Tevin's been out there singing, and that song, everybody loves that song. And it's a good record, but to think, I don't know what year that was, 93 maybe? I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. <laughs> but think about the kids that weren't born, but when that comes on, people just lose it. Yeah. It's they some... lose it. Yeah. It, it's something about that record and a lot of the records that you've done. Uh, but I want to take it to the early beginnings here, Daryl. Kind of talk okay. about your early days with Kenny and writing songs together. Like, how did that even come about? Because, like, for people like us that grew up watching you guys, everything was mm -hmm. documented. But, like, I'm just curious, like, how did you guys even get into the practice of writing songs? Um, I met Kenny. I was 15. He was 14. I actually played in a band with his brother. He had an older brother who played a little bit of guitar. And it's actually how Kenny learned to play guitar because he would sneak and practice on Michael's guitar when Michael wasn't around. So I played in a band with his older brother. We only played instrumentals and we didn't have a singer. And I was asking Michael, hey, I heard your brother could sing. Right. We should get him. And he always just kind of, you know, nah, nah, we don't need to get him. Nah, we're good. And I couldn't figure out why he didn't want to get his younger brother. Right. Anyway, he was kind of he was hating on him back then. He was a hater <laughs> back in those days. Right. So finally, we had rehearsed at this guy's house, and I was breaking down my drums. And up walks these two guys. One was a manual officer, and another one was Kenny Edmonds. He said, "Hey, how you doing?" I said, "You guys, you you're in the band with my brother." I go, "Yeah, you're Kenny." He goes, "Yeah," and he just had a cool look, and you know, we just kind of started talking. He goes, "Well." you should join our band because you're more like us. And I go, yeah, you kind of are. Cause his brother was older. Right. And so all the other guys were older. And so I played drums and I was the youngest. So I immediately quit that band and, you know, <laughs> joined Kenny and Emmanuel. Uh, and, you know, I, I learned that he had this, you know, thing for wanting to write songs. And so right. did I, you know, uh, but what I discovered was, <laughs> and I tell people all the time, I thought I had a little bit of talent, but when I met him, I was like, oh, he's really talented. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I identified. I said, he's really talented. I'm not nearly as talented as he is. But we clicked as friends, and we both had the same drive, ambition, the, the passion for writing songs. And I learned to write with mm-hmm. Kenny. I learned to write from Kenny. It was really like an apprenticeship for me. Right. Because what I thought I knew wasn't really that good. And he had, he just had a knack, you know, and that's all we did. Our band never played anywhere. We just had a band, we hardly right. ever played. <laughs> so we'd walk to my house and work on songs. Then we'd walk back to his house and work on songs. Then we'd walk to the store and get some snacks and donuts and chips, go back to my house and work on songs. Right. And so we just had this love of wanting to write songs. And when I turned 17, I bought a piano because he played guitar and wrote from guitar, I said, well, I can't really write from drums. So I bought this piano, I put it in the layaway back then, I'm showing my age, (laughs) paid on it for forever. (laughs) And they delivered it. And my mom says, what are you gonna do with that piano? And I said, I'm gonna put it in the living room and I'm gonna write songs. She goes, no, you're not. And I said, well, what can I do with it? And she said, you can put it in the den. And Kenny and I pushed it through the grass, around the house, and the two of us got this piano, probably ruined it, we didn't know any any better and we got it into the den and we just started you know just trying to write songs and that's how our songwriting started and we never stopped i mean here we are 50 plus years in our relationship and we just had we just had this passion man just wanted to write songs didn't know we could make money right didn't know we'd be successful we just wanted to write songs and that's what we did and we never stopped we never stopped, you know. And, and it's a beautiful thing, Daryl. But I want to touch on what you talked about earlier. Like you identified pretty quickly on that Babyface had this knack for writing this talent. Like when oh, I yeah. listen, to, when I listen to your guys's record, what I've always appreciated, um, you know, the structure is great. I love the structure that you guys mm-hmm. have. But it's that, and I can't even put it into words. It's like you guys know when to use certain words at certain times. The, Absolutely. The, the hooks are always big and then it transitions yep. into the bridge. I mean, is there a science yep. to this? Like, was this something that Babyface kind of taught you or was this kind of something uh, you guys yeah. figured out? Yeah, okay. that, that was something that he taught me. Then eventually I caught on and said, okay, I know what we need to do. Yep. So I could sit there and know where he was going. And I would, people would say, well, when you're with Babyface, what do you do? And I yep. said, I write lyrics and I connect the dots. Right. I can sit back and, and say, because I know him so well, I know exactly where he's going. I know exactly where he's going with this thing. And we both have that same feeling of where it's going. And he'll be on the keyboard up here and I'll be in the back in the chair. He'll be like, what'd you say? I said, oh, I said this. Uh, Did you like that? I go, yeah. I said, that's great. Do that again. Okay, cool. And so we just have this, you know, that chemistry of just, he says that he can think of something if I'm just sitting in the room and not saying anything. He says, he'll think think of something. Then he knows I'm going to think of something. So... He's Batman, I'm Robin, and that's how we've always worked. He's always got an idea. I think he writes the most wonderful melodies ever. I'm biased, of course. Right. <laughs> but, you know, he and Stevie Wonder. and But he, yeah, it's just something that we get in the room. We know when it's supposed to, like you said, it's supposed to build. We know when the bridge to come. We know if the bridge is too long. You know, we just kind of know, you know what you know, when you kind of start doing doing it for a long time, you know. And so, uh, but yeah, he is, uh, 
he is very masterful to this day to me. He works on a song today like he's never had a hit record. And that's what I always admired. And I got that work kind of ethic when I broke off on my own. And his thing was never quit. Try to make it better. Don't quit. Is it good? Okay, read it back. Okay, let's leave for two hours. Go get something to eat and come back. Let's play it. Is it good? We feel like it's good. Like, okay, can it be better? Okay, let's see if we can make it better. We may not can make it better, but let's try. Yeah. Because I tell songwriters, once it's gone, once you let it go out into the universe, yeah, ain't no pulling it back. So you better love what you've done and spend that time. Because people will say in an interview, oh, is there a song that you've done that you would change this or you don't like? I go, no, <laughs> because, because I already did that. We already did that. We made sure that wouldn't happen. So if I hear Fairweather Friend, if I hear My, 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 if I hear whatever it is, I can turn the radio up and go, you know what? That's a good record. That sounds good. Right. And there's nothing I sit and say, oh, I wish I had had Tony do this, or I wish I had had, you know, you know, a Chili do this. It's not, we already did that before right. we let it go. And so that's always been our, our way. And even when I work by myself, I'll work on something and I'll say, what would Kenny say? Mm. I said, would Kenny like this? Would Kenny say this is strong? Would Kenny say this is clear? Would Kenny say this is clever? Because that's where I get it from. You know, this this one girl in the interview some time ago said, oh, I really love your style. I go, well, I don't have a style. Mm-hmm. My style is Kenny's style. Right. <laughs> you know, so I don't try to say, oh, my style. No, my style is what I've learned from Kenny. So Daryl Simmons doesn't have a style. He's an extension of Kenny. You know, right. that's that's what my style is. You know, uh, so like I said, it's uh, it's just something that he, I can go to Los Angeles, we can work on a song and love it. Right. By the time I get home, he'll call, hey, I, I wrote the second, we wrote the second verse. I said, really? Wow. <laughs> he goes, yeah. I said, it just wasn't as strong as the first. Let me let me sing it for you. I go, damn, Kenny, that is better. Just that quick. Wow. You know, because he's always chipping, always grinding to make it better. Even if it's not successful, it doesn't mean that it's going to be a hit. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, Return of the Tender Lover, his album that he did a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago, yeah. was some of one of the greatest bodies of work, I yes. thought, yep. and it failed miserably. And man, we worked on that thing for months and I was excited. And I still love that album. I still love those songs. It's good album. Sits on my desktop. I'll hit standing ovation or I'll hit. I say, damn, that's such a great song. Just didn't catch on. Yeah, because it was that album and it was the After 7 project that came out. The After 7 project, Mm -hmm. what I think, did a lot better, but... Just that body it work did. at that time. That was that mm-hmm. was a great time for Babyface, and leading leading up mm-hmm. to that, even the uh, the joint album with Tony Braxton, like that was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Just to see Babyface come back and just do what he does, and of course you're in the mix mm-hmm. as well. So, uh, but Daryl, I want to touch back on this, and and when I think about what you just said, you know, you make sure that the song is completed and you feel good about it before you let it out into the world. It's a huge stark contrast to what we see today in in music where rough drafts almost are immediately uploaded into streaming platforms by these mm-hmm. younger artists and um mm-hmm. you know in a sense it works because you see these streaming numbers go up but it's like how do you kind of look at that as, as someone that kind of has a different approach to it like 
Cause, well, and, and the structure, like I said, what I've loved about your structure is the bridges, the the long drawn out you know process of getting to from point A to point B. But now songs are like a minute and thirty seconds long. It's it's all different. <laughs> well, it's just different. There's no yeah. right or wrong way. As long as you get there and it's successful, there's no. I mean, I'll listen to records and I, you know, my producer ears will go on. I go, man, I would have done this or I would have gone back to that part or I would have faded on the hook. But it doesn't make the song not a hit. It's just right. something that I would have done that kids, you know, they, it's their it's their vision. It's their right. expression. That's how they saw it going, you know. And so but it's, the song will still be a hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Doesn't change it. That's just me riding in the car saying, oh, I probably would have done this. I probably would have went back to the vamp. You know, oh, I probably made that a little bit stronger. But it works. And so I don't I don't have a problem with it at all. I think it works. Right. Yeah. And I'm looking behind you and I see all those plaques. And, and what's really cool is, like you mentioned, you guys wrote a lot of songs, uh, you know, collectively, individually. Some of them became massive hits. Some didn't. <laughs> but I think what <laughs> I appreciate the most about you is the output, the amount of music that you guys put out during that mm -hmm. period and that just lets me know how much you guys worked during that time like mm -hmm. at what point we did, worked. what at mm -hmm. what point during your career did you kind of say like this is this is my option like this is my only option i'm not looking elsewhere this is my career <laughs> that must have been pretty early on because you guys put in the work early yeah it was uh we went to los angeles in 83 and once again kenny says we have to try we have to go and see what we can make happen because it's not going to happen in Cincinnati. It's not going to happen in Indianapolis. And so literally it was like, okay, let's go. So he, LA and I, the group went, the deal went, they were there too for a while, but one by one, they all went back to Cincinnati right. and, and we all stayed and, and everybody knows about the face records and they yeah. think that was like the beginning, but there was a pre LaFace. Hmm when we were in Los Angeles, like from 83 till we moved to Atlanta in 89. I mean, we were, it was a struggle, man. You know, we were, <laughs> we were knocking on doors and um, I worked at budget rent a car at Santa Monica in Wilshire. Cause I didn't have any money and I wasn't a member of the deal. So they couldn't take care of me. They gave me a place to stay, which was the couch or the floor. Right. Uh, to write songs. And I'll never forget. He came to me one day, he said, if you can figure out how to stay out here, I think something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm not going home. So I said, I'll figure it out because he was married at the time. Yeah. And I stayed with him for a little while. And then I had to leave because, you know, he had a wife and, yeah. you know, she <laughs> wanted her privacy. Which I understood. So it was a hardcore survival for me uh, trying to hang on. And so eventually I came back, slept on the floor with the equipment. And I'm trying to think what happened. I think by that time, I don't know if Rocksteady had happened. I can't remember. Kenny's memory is way better than mine. But I remember <laughs> sleeping in the room on Highland in the apartment. And this whirlwind of everything started happening. Wow. It's like, hey, man, uh, James Ingram's coming by on another day. Hey, man, this girl named Paula Abdul's coming by. Hey, man, uh, get up. This girl, uh, Karen White, is coming by. This, this guy, Johnny Gill, he has a really big grown man voice. He's coming by. Mm. 
and these people were coming by our little tiny apartment listening to our songs and Kenny and I would sing them or Kenny would sing and I'd do the backgrounds or the co-hooks. And it was literally, it just became crazy. And it was just a, it was a writing machine. Right. It just, wow. I didn't want to be a producer. Right. I never wanted to be a producer. I had no choice but to be a producer because Kenny and LA were so busy. Right. They were like, they were like, hey dude, you got to help <laughs> us do these records. He's like, you know what to do. Yep. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. So you've been sitting back on the couch in all these sessions. You know, get up here and finish these ad libs with Karen White, Superwoman. Wow. That's my first gig. Wow. And they left and I think went to work with Pebbles. And I walked up to the console and once again I said, Okay, what would Kenny say? What would Kenny do? I know what he would do. And I would do it, take it back to them, go, Okay, cool, you're good, you're good. Uh maybe do this, maybe do that. I'm like, Okay, now I need you to go down to Silver Lake and work on the boys. They're gonna they're gonna do Dial My Heart. I'm like, Okay, cool. Right. And so they, they would give me the overflow. Uh, it, it was literally crazy. I mean, at one point, I think we had five, I forget what year, we had maybe five songs in the top 10 R&B wow. at one point. And people used to ask us, how are you guys doing all this work? Well, we never stopped working. We worked every day. Right. It was, took two days off, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Wow. And it was literally, and it was the funnest time to me mm. because we had no responsibilities, no kids. We just wrote songs every day, every yeah. day. We just woke <laughs> up, Kenny go, ah, oh, I got, I got this idea. I'm going, okay, let me hear it. And it'd be, you know, whatever love saw it or knocked out or, wow. you know, he just, I was like, mm -hmm. damn, that's hot. Let's, he says, let's work on that. It's like, okay, let's work on that. You know? And so it was probably, I tell people it was my brokest time, but yep. it was the funnest time because wow. it was 100% music every day without a care in the world, without a care in the world, just writing, just writing and then recording, you know, going to the studio up late at night. You know, I'd stay home, work on lyrics. Kenny and I would stay home and write. L.A. would go and produce vocals. Uh, I go produce vocals. L.A. and Kenny would go over to wherever to work with Sheena Easton or or. Uh, pebbles or whoever else was you know when i think about it it's it was really a crazy time it yeah. really i don't i don't really know how we did it. and to think there was no auto tune exactly <laughs> we yeah. had to make people sing we had to make yeah. them so it was work work yeah exactly <laughs> you know? um, it was fun. it's funny that you talk about your work ethic because tim and bob told me this story that uh an experience that they had with you uh i don't know i don't even remember i don't know if you remember this but there was a time where they had all their music in a, on a hard drive. They ended up losing this hard drive and mm -hmm. they came to you and they were crying and they were like, we lost all of our songs. And what you told them was, okay, go make some more. And that's crazy to me. It was like, just got to go back to work. That probably sounds right. <laughs> that, that, that probably is something that I said. And right. you know who I got that from, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Baby face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it was like, okay. He's like, we'll write something else. Like, okay, let's go. And we'd right. roll our sleeves up and go back to work. I lost mine, a floppy disk. I had a big anvil road case wow. with floppy disks of songs. Actually, when we first moved to Atlanta, I had this really nice apartment. I think somebody was hating on me. I had this apartment on the river, it's beautiful window, and you know, had my plaques up in the window. And I came from the studio one night and they had taken everything, <laughs> everything. Wow. And I was devastated. And all I wanted was the briefcase. 
because right. it had the floppy disk with the songs. I didn't care about the clothes, the furniture, the whatever it was. Right. And so I had put signs around, I lived in Dunwoody, and I was putting signs around, hey, $1,000 for the briefcase of these floppy disks. I mean, I was driving around looking in dumpsters because someone did it out of spite. I mean, they took my underwear, they took oh, socks. Oh, yeah, they took every, it was like the Grinch stole Christmas. You know how people yeah. walked in? Yeah. I walked in, I was like, damn, I actually had to get a suit to go to an event in Minneapolis. I had to go to a department store and get a suit because they took right. all my suits, wow. everything. But anyway, um, yeah, that I, I came back. I said, well, I'll write some more songs. Wow. And so, you know, I forgot about that. That was crazy. I was yeah. devastated. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that sounds like something I would have told them. And yeah. they were talented enough. They were, they were really talented guys. Still are really yeah. talented guys. Yeah. And I guess that's type of that's kind of the thing is it's not only the work ethic, but it's your ability to identify the talent because maybe your approach with someone that you didn't think was capable of writing great songs, maybe you wouldn't have mm -hmm. had that approach, but this kind of goes to just showing how you can evaluate talent and see it. Absolutely. That was something that I thought I could do. Um, and the same way when somebody would bring songs, when I would say, this just isn't really, it's not strong. Right. You know what I mean? It doesn't have structure or they start this way and all of a sudden they make this terrible left turn. I go, I go, wow, why did you change the second verse rhythm? Right. Oh, oh I just wanted to do something different. I go, no, it's, it's, it's commercial. It's gotta be the same. It's got it. So when people can sing along, you know, so I could identify that uh, pretty early on you know, with people that I thought were really talented, like Tim and Bob were really talented, you know? Um, and so, yeah, uh, we, we could identify that, you know, people would want to play songs or similar songs, or I used to tell people, <laughs> don't play songs in front of me if you can't handle the truth. <laughs> you, better, <laughs> you better let me take it with me because I'm not, one thing I will not do, I will not lie about music. Wow. I will not lie about music. And I would tell kids that, that's so you want to play it. Okay. Play it at your own risk, but I'm, I'm going to get, you're going to get the truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat it because I, I do music. That's what I do. I, I write songs. I make records. I don't dance. I don't perform. I don't right. do no videos. I don't know nothing about styling. I write songs and I right. make records. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, so Daryl, as you're creating all of these hits uh, with Babyface, L.A. Reid, at, at what point does the does the money start coming in? Like, did you have a good grasp on the music industry at that time or not at all? <laughs> oh, no. no, no. Kenny always, Kenny had a early grip on it because he had co-written a song called Slow Jam for Midnight Star right, with a yep. guy named Bo Watson. Right. So Kenny was getting some checks and he started to understand the royalty and publishing thing, which was great because he was schooling me. Right. And so I'll never forget I was out in the valley at a friend's house, actually at a girlfriend's house, and Kenny calls me and he says, hey, you got a check. And I go, OK, check for what? In the Mood, because I wrote a song called In the Mood and Ellie and Kenny wrote Rock Steady and it was on right. the Whispers album, okay. something better with time or something like that. Sure. And so he says, you got a check for 14,000. And I'm like, yeah, get the hell out of here. You're <laughs> right. Because I never had 500 bucks in my pocket at one time. Right. So he goes, no, 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 you got like, 14,000 and LA got LA and I got like 25 grand. I'm like, what? So <laughs> I'm gonna come get you. No, the girl brought me. I met them in the valley. Yeah. And he goes, Yeah, you got he said, but this is the thing. He said, This is just the beginning. He said, these are small checks. 
these are these are it's just starting to trickle in. I'm going, what? I'm like, this is like all my portion. He goes, yeah. And I'm like, Kenny, you crazy, you know. <laughs> so quickly started to understand, you know, OK, well, if we can get paid pretty good for something that we love to do and we've been doing for free. Well, we just rolled up our sleeves and go, OK, well, we're really going to go to work, right. you know, <laughs> but it never was for money. Right. It was because we saw what our what our work could, what the result would be. Yeah. So it never was money first. It's always song first. Let's write a great song. And then whatever the perks of it, they just fall where they fall, you know. And so that was our approach to it. And, you know, I said, wow, because I had no clue. And a lot of people didn't. You know, my parents didn't know how I made money. Our friends didn't know how I made money because they didn't know, understand. It wasn't a popular thing back then. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and I think we had gotten some information from Jimmy and Terry because Clarence Avant was managing them. And so they were kind of ahead and were making good money. And so I think Ellie and Kenny, you know, got a lot of advice and stuff from Clarence Avant, who 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 guided them and then eventually did my first publishing deal for me at Warner Chapel. Wow. So, uh, but it was always about the work though. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't rest on what we had done. It was like, okay, what's next? Right. What, what we got, who, who's coming in? Okay. What we gotta, we gotta come up with something. Right. You know, so it, it was always about where, and, and to all throughout our career, you know, because we never wanted to do anything just for say, oh, we threw it out there just to get a check. It's like, yeah, not our names on it. You know, yeah. want to be proud of it. Even if it's not a hit, Hey, we did work hard on it. It didn't work. Okay, what's next? Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was the philosophy, you know. So, Daryl, as, as your career progresses and you guys start creating these massive hits, at what point do you realize, because obviously these songs were were huge on the R&B charts, some crossed over to the Billboard mm -hmm. 100, but at what, point yeah, do you start, at what point do you start realizing that these rec records are connecting the dots internationally worldwide and all of that like th was that pretty early on for you guys as well no i think you don't really realize that stuff you're just you're just working yeah at that point you're not studying it in depth you know what i mean somebody may tell you oh did you guys know that this happens like oh wow really that's cool it's like yeah. i don't know what that means but if it's good okay michael jordan once said he says your legacy really happens sort of when you're done you don't yeah. think about that when you're in the moment of doing it that's you're true. not thinking of legacy and i'm going to be doing you know the last dance i'm gonna you're just in the moment of it and working your ass off yeah and so at the that comes at the end when people look back and go well damn kind of just <laughs> like you're saying yeah damn you did a lot of records i'm like damn i guess we did but but when you're in the moment that doesn't you know you know it's just not a thought we're just working it's all about just working and keep working <laughs> you know <laughs> That's that's really what it, what it was back then, you know. Um, I'll hear kids today yeah. say, "Yeah, you know, when I make it or when I made it, that was a forbidden word with the, mm -hmm. with us. Right. We never used that word, never. Because to me, made it meant, oh, I'm at the end. Wow, you made it, made it where? You're at the end? No, I ain't made it nowhere. I I, I still I'm still going. I want to keep going and keep trying. But a lot of kids, and it's a younger mentality. I get it. I'm not knocking them, right. but it just kind of it just kind of irks me when I hear a kid say, "Yeah, when I made it, you know, first thing I did was like, eh, okay, I get it. Different language, different days. It's social media. It's show off all my stuff. You know, I, I get it. You know, I have a young son and young daughter, so I get it. <laughs> just I'm old, old school, man. Yeah, you know, I'm 
I say I'm analog. I love tape. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm analog and I love the hiss of tape. So, right. you know, but I get it. Yeah. You know, I mean, cool. I mean, you must have at least felt a little bit of it when End of the Road came out because that was that was a massive record. Yeah. I was going to say if there yeah. was a record yeah. <laughs> that for me, that was like the first time because I mean, I, I just couldn't believe it. It just wouldn't stop playing. Yeah. It, it was a good thing. But actually, people like I would hear people like, I'm so tired of that damn song. That song on a hundred times a day. And I was like, <laughs> you know, and it just wouldn't stop. It just, it just, and then, you know, yeah, we felt that internationally, pop chart, of course. It just was, that was something very, very crazy that, hey, just took on a life of its own. It, it did. Just, you know. <laughs> Thank you, boys to men. Yeah, and when I when I listen to that song, still like I, I just love what you guys did with Wanye, especially at the end where he's just going off. Like, can you just talk about putting that song together, especially that end part? Because like that that to me is what like '90s R&B or what good R&B mm -hmm. even is about is like you want to mm -hmm. be able to finish off strong and make them feel something, and like that's what I got from that song. Yeah, that's one of those records that uh short story i won't go too long but we needed one more song for the soundtrack which right. was boomerang yeah people don't realize i never worked with on a boys to men album i worked right. with boys to men on boomerang but i yep. never worked with them ever again that's right and end of the road came from boomerang not from a boys to men album right you know so it was the last song and kenny and i went down to where we worked on songs in buckhead it was raining it was cold needed one more song and went down there very early and uh kenny had this little hockey game you know the little manual hockey thing with the clear you know bubble on it yeah, yeah, yeah. and so we yeah, we play some hockey and you know go back and kenny would work on some ideas we go back and play and it was an all-day thing and finally you know he kind of he kind of hit on it i go man that's i said that feels good he goes yeah so what what's happened though the song is something's happened kenny was good at saying what's it saying right. something something happened i said whatever it happened it was bad I said, it's, it's bad. It's sad. It was raining that day outside, <laughs> you know, and, you know, eventually, of course, he does what he does and comes up with the melody. And then we started the story and he had gone through a divorce and I had just gone through a divorce. So it was perfect timing. It's right. what Kenny would call the stars are aligning <laughs> wow. to make it happen. So we just kind of poured that whole, you know, divorce thing. And then, of course, you know, you have to embellish the lyrics to make it what Kenny says universal to make everybody be able to relate it to their story, whether it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, husband, wife. Yeah. Uh, and so, and we knew it, we knew it was good. And LA calls it, y'all got one? Cause he was at the office all day. He, he did a lot of business. Yeah. And go, Kenny, we, he goes, we got one. He goes, okay, I'll be about, be by there when I leave the office. So he comes in, had his suit on, sits back on cash. All right, let me hear the shit. You know, it's LA. <laughs> let me play the shit. So Kenny hits it. He goes, damn, that's a smash. And we go, yeah, we know. And Kenny goes, mm -hmm. but one thing, he goes, what's that? He goes, I can't give it to him. I want to keep it. Mm. And Elliot's like, what? He goes, yeah, I can't let him, I can't let him have it. So it's too big. And Elliot goes, no, no, to be bigger on Boys to Men, blah, blah, blah. I was somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You know me, I was always the, the middle man. And Kenny says, well, let me record it. Let's record it tonight and see what it feels like. And I said, okay, cool. So we go to the studio and put it on, and I think Kenny sang a verse and the first chords, he took off the headphones and said, okay, they can have it. And I was like, <laughs> yes. Wow. Because I felt like they were 
they were just big. They were pop. I just felt like it would be bigger. Yeah. He would make it, he would have made it a hit. But uh so uh we all three went to Philadelphia. It was the last day they had been rehearsing for a world tour. And we get there and Sean comes in and goes, Wanye can't sing. And we're like, mm. what do you mean he can't sing? He goes, He has no voice. We've been rehearsing. He's like, Well, well, we have this is our only day to do it. I mean, we had flown to Philadelphia, last song for the soundtrack. And Wanye says, Well, the only way I can sing it is if I stand in the back of the room and sing really loud. Mm. And LA was like, okay, then stand the fuck back then. Get back there. <laughs> Get your ass back there. And he stood in the corner. So what you're talking about is really the pain of Wanye's throat standing way back in the room. And he's got a towel on his throat and he's rocking and he's singing. And I'm feeling so bad for him. I mean, wow. I'm feeling. But at the same time, the shit that he's saying, oh my God, help me out a little bit, baby. And his voice is cracking. And I'm getting chill bumps and I'm like, oh shit, this is phenomenal. Yeah. This performance is killing me. <laughs> and he I don't know how many times he sang it. He didn't sing it many times because he didn't have a voice. And I tell people, when you listen to the fade, when he says, oh, my God, somebody else, help me out a little bit, baby. He was in so much pain. He's just rocking. You know, let Wanye rock. And that was all Wanye, just the pain wow. and the passion. And, man, that thing, when it was done, I was like, Wow. Didn't know it was that big. We never know yeah. when how big something's going to be. But I knew it was really good, and I knew it was big from that emotional. Because like you said, you can hear it today, and you, you can get a little misty-eyed if you yeah. get into it. Because that performance was so incredible to me. And their backgrounds, and those dudes are, those dudes are incredible, man. Those dudes are truly amazing. Sean's voice and Nate, how they layer stuff and how they know who's going to come in. Yeah. You know, Wanye is going to knock it out the park and take it home. Yeah. But they're set up with Nate and then, you know, Sean and then Wanye. It's like, man, it was that that was really a fun, fun, fun record and just an incredible time. You know, yeah. One of yeah. those one of those kind of records, you know, was uh, was Mike's speaking part part of the, the concept that you guys had originally or did that come afterwards? I think, yeah, I think Kenny said, you know, we knew what Mike did. And yeah. so I think Kenny wrote that in there for him to, uh, you know, so everybody could be a part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really believe that, yeah. you know, and I remember the guys teasing him for what he was saying. Right. You know, it was kind of funny. <laughs> you know, man, you sent what some word they were saying, man, you sent and you big and this stuff. But it was funny, yeah. you know, but he killed it. He, he killed it. It was everybody's part, you know, made that happen, you know, and uh, it's a good record. When I hear it today, I go, man, that's just that's a really good. A really good record yeah know, really proud of that record absolutely i got a couple more records for for you here daryl i mean we could go on okay. forever here but uh, i'm just going to touch on these ones but like the mariah carey okay. record you guys did never forget you i just love the arrangements on that song like that song just feels good uh i was just kind of you know i remember it i remember going to the session with mariah yeah and i don't know i kind of don't feel like i had too too much input okay you know it was lyrical of yeah. course with kenny and i love the song yeah and what, what i remember i hate to say this but when we went there you know she works by herself we couldn't go in the room exactly it was her and walter Athanasia. Yes. and so that was strange for me i'm like we can't go in mm -hmm. kenny goes no nah, she does her vocals by herself 
And I'm like, damn, okay. She come out and then we go in and, and hear it. And, you know, she did an incredible job. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> the girl knows how to sing. So that one was a little, I don't know, you know, good record though. I, I really yes. like, I really like that record. That was a, that was a good record. Right. Uh, really good record. Um, of course, you worked on the TLC debut album as well as Tony Braxton's debut album. Uh, and I want to mm -hmm. touch on Tony's because, I mean, it's it's super cool to look back at that album and know mm -hmm. that some of those records were originally for somebody else, but it ended up yeah. with Tony. <laughs> and like yeah. when you listen to it now, it's like it couldn't be anyone else but Tony. Like it no, sounded like those not songs at all. were for Tony, but just talk about those moments. Yeah, you're exactly right. It couldn't... It, I always believe in fate. I believe things happen the way they're supposed to happen. Yeah. And that's how that happened. I mean, we were trying to crank out these songs for Anita Baker because Kenny wanted to do a duet with her. We wanted her on the album because we wanted big, big names on the album, you know. And so we would work on a song and call Anita. We'd send it and call it, have her on speakerphone. And, you know, she'd say she didn't like the beat on this one. And then the other one, you know, it was just like, we were like, damn, what is she, what is she looking for? Right. You know, it's very frustrating because we're working really hard. And Tony was singing the demos. I'd be in, back in the back with her working on the demos. It's okay, sing it like this. Sing it like how Anita was singing because we're trying to sell this song to yeah. Anita Baker. Right. And so I don't know what song it was. I don't know if it was Give You My Heart or You Mean the World to Me or something. But right. I remember her being on speakerphone and she said at the end, she didn't like the song. I forget mm. which one it was. And she says, well, what about the little girl singing on the demo? Why don't y'all let her sing? Mm. And we looked, we were standing around the speakerphone and LA said, okay. Boom. <laughs> said, Tony, you got four songs for your album. And she was so excited. I remember wow. she was so excited. And I don't know, another sad love song, Give You My Heart, Mean the World to Me. I can't remember what for. Right. But they were four great songs, right. you know. And so that was the start of, of Tony's album, uh, those four songs that Anita had turned down. And uh, and it happened the way it was supposed to happen. You're exactly right. Great album. It was fun working. It's always still fun working. So she's like a sister. Right. We have fun. We cut up. We laugh. She's very funny. She works hard. She listens. Um, and when that album was done, I think me and L.A. rode around the subdivision. She goes, what do you think she's going to sell? I said, 1.2. Wow. He goes, nah, two million. I go, really? I was like, uh, eh, maybe one point five, but my number's one point two. Yeah. And I don't know how many she sold. I have a plaque for nine million. I yeah. think. <laughs> but I don't know what the ending was, but right. just it, that's a great album. Great. Just Tony is is my favorite female voice to record, yeah. to hear her voice back. Oh yeah. In the speaker. That's my favorite voice. Um, oh yeah. To record. Um one of my